The following episode was recorded live on YouTube. Check out our website at messagecenter.show for all of our episodes. Welcome to episode 330. We have some exciting stuff to cover today. Uh, I know you're excited about hearing our thoughts on this Teams Connect shared channels, whatever they're calling it this week. And (laughs) we're going to, no, it, in all seriousness, have some great conversation around that, as well as I think one of the hidden gems this week is actually how you can connect with service providers. So um, stay tuned uh, for that uh, quite soon. Hello, Daryl. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm I'm ready to get all teams connected and all hooked up and and reducing the the tenant switching and and making it easier for me to seamlessly go between channels and mm-hmm. connect with people. Well, while everyone gets ready because we're going to jump into this, but while everyone gets ready for this exciting episode, let's make sure that you follow us. You've subscribed down below here in YouTube and on your favorite podcast. Um, uh, software. You have subscribed to our podcast, audio podcast. We are on everywhere with um, uh, Spotify. We're on, I, I'm, I'm not going to list them all because Apple Music, Google, all of them were there. Wherever you get your podcast. Wherever, because we are there. So make sure you uh, f- subscribe to the audio podcast as well. That will definitely help us. Um, and then if you're on YouTube, you know, make sure you hit that bell because that bell will give you a reminder of when we go live. It kind of gives you that little tip of, oh, they're going live. I moved you closer so, to the bell, Daniel. Oh, so I can go like this. Yeah, yeah. That that's bell a, that's right a, there. Because there's no point <clears throat> talking about which body part you're going to use if you've got to reach across me. Well, I'm not going to uh, demonstrate this body part of clicking <laughs> the bell because it's going to be a bit difficult to show that. Uh, however... What we're going to use is, is our heel. So the back of our foot, it's going to be kind of like you're playing a little bit of football or soccer, as we say here in the States, and you're kicking the ball uh, with your heel to uh, avoid that attacker. You're going to do it with your heel on the bell. Hmm. Make sure you get that reminder. So <laughs> make sure you follow us on socials, 365MCS everywhere. Uh, you go. That's how you will find us. M C S. Are you making fun of me? I am. I uh, just, you know, we talked about it last week. Let's let's see. Let's see how you do. All right. Well, uh, you're first up, Daryl. Tell us all about oh. how you can get better insight to teams that uh, people are joined to. Well, yes. Uh, only as an admin, though. This is a list of joined teams per user in Teams Admin Center. It's MC double three two eight six. Nine. And in this message, <laughs> sorry, Daniel. Um, in this message, uh, we, we have uh, the ability for an admin. Go into the Teams Admin Center, you can find the user and you can see a list of teams that they have joined. Um, this is useful because it's um, been able to see uh, how, how spread someone is across the different teams, whether um, maybe it could be useful to also see how how um, how much effort they've got to put into belonging to all of those teams. Um, but yeah, I think um, for troubleshooting too, kind of useful. Uh, Daniel, I don't know yes. if I can say much more than, than that. Um, 
No, I, I agree with you. You know, things like, well, I don't see that team. Mm. Well, let's go make sure it's not an issue with your client. Well, you're not a member of the team, so of course you shouldn't. But, you know, so audit, uh, making sure that people are in the right spots. You know, this is not something admin, teams admins are going to be in there every day. Like, oh, I got to check every, you know, every few moments of, you know, someone's the right member of teams. But uh, this just gives, a, I think, a nice uh, bit of information to help us understand, like you said, the sprawl of teams, but the, the sprawl of people across teams to make mm. sure, you know, uh, that's being managed correctly. So. I don't know if there's a limit to how many teams you can see within the client. I think if we go to like uh, Microsoft Teams limitations, there is a limit to how many teams you can belong to. Don't know it off the top of my head. There's a limit to how many how many scrolls I'm going to do. I'll tell you that oh, yeah. right now <laughs> before I just go search. Uh, so. Hmm. For sure. Yeah, so this is uh, rolling out early February. Oh, somewhere hmm. in here it says we... Sorry. It is available now. Not just now-ish, yes. but before-ish. <laughs> but we, yes. we don't use before-ish too much. Um, we, we ask that you pardon us for not sending this message earlier. Pardon granted. Yes, for now. Don't do it again. It'll happen. Let's... <laughs> Daniel, what's up? What's up next? Let's book some time to talk about this further uh, when we're not on the show. Ha ha ha, get it? Book. Yeah, All sure. right. Forms integration with bookings. MC333943. How's that one for dragging nice. on? Yeah, good. Uh, so this is this is the one I was calling out before in saying there's a, a kind of a, a hidden gem in this week's episodes. So this week's episode... Uh, this is allowing your uh, organization that uses bookings to uh, integrate forms so that people who are going to have a visit will uh, get that email saying confirming their visit in from bookings, but will have forms that you have predefined that you say when someone books this type of of uh, appointment meeting, then I'm going to send them these forms, one or many, right? And then they have to fill it in. So, you know, you could think about this from a healthcare perspective. They're having an annual visit. Well, they're going to need their annual form for how are you feeling? What new updates to medications? Uh, what's your new insurance? You know, those kind of questions. Uh, but don't just pigeonhole this. This is while healthcare, I think, is a big part of this. Uh, you know, there's things like financial services. If you have a uh, someone you work with um, from a perspective of reviewing your finances every year or so, um, you know, home services, you know, if, if you have someone clean your house or you have someone come to take care of an elderly parent or uh, someone to come walk your dog, I don't know, um, and hair salons even. I mean, you know, think about those type of appointments that you can automate but also include forms to give uh, more information to the provider before you get there. So this is rolling out mid-March and expecting it to be done pretty quickly, so late March. And like I said, you'll be able to define as an admin or as an admin from the uh, service, be able to say these appointments, get these forms. Um, and it's a nice little email. The only thing about the email I don't like is uh, the email in bookings, when you receive it, it says, here's your appointment time. And it has this great big button that says join. Well, that's great, except that um, 
the, you know, people may go, oh, I'll click that button now. No, no, no. You're supposed to join when the time is, not now. I like that the button is there. It's just people have to think, oh, I'm not supposed to click that now. It's I need to join mm. at that time. Anyway, but um, I would like that button to be below the before your appointment forms, right? You need to fill these forms out first because if I'm looking at this, I may not even read the stuff below. Uh, but uh, I think that's just, you know, something to call out when you're talking with um, your clients, your patients, whoever, then you can say, make sure you read the entire email. There's forms you need to fill out. It'll be at the bottom. That's about it. I think, what do you think, Daryl? Does that sound great um, well, to I, include I'm, those forms? I'm looking at setting something up similar, not with bookings, but around coaching and having a, a form that, that gives you a bit more information before you're going to run the session for someone uh, is really helpful. Could be huge. Uh, huge, yeah, right? Yeah, so it helps it helps to capture that information and those thoughts. What did you want to get out of the session? Have you got any goals? We know forms also allow you to embed video into there, so you could quite personalize it, really, and Most um, you know, just guide people through. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's good. I, multiple forms, uh, if, if you need to. Um, I think just one is really good, too. Well, but, you know, the example I gave before with healthcare, you know, you mm. might need a, a, if it's a new patient, they might need the new patient form. Yeah. If it, you know, they're going to need But would that form a, be in forms? Maybe. You could take that information and then, and then mm. automate, drop in for the information from that form into your system. Hmm. For sure. Hmm. So yeah. let's talk about Q&A, sir, and how we can upvote. Well, yes. So imagine that that conversation... That conversation, giving uh, or asking a question in the community, and we wanted to get some feedback or some ideas, crowdsourcing. Uh, that um, you know, Daniel gave his response. Heidi joins in. Ha, huh, Heidi, Heidi, sorry you're late. Fill out the form. Um, call back. The questions and answers feature in Yammer is going to get better. Uh, and this is enabling upvoting your answers. So it's one thing to have Q&A, have a list of all the answers, and, and we've been able to for a little while now mark as best answer, which is great. Uh, but what about that journey towards that best answer? Uh, maybe we crowdsource and get sort of 30 to 40 answers, and um, some of the people who are answering that question might upvote, say, we think this is the best answer not necessarily the person who asked the question. So sometimes there is that dynamic where uh, it's it's the people that we're asking this question of that we want to get a sense of what that best answer is. So a uh, feature here, which is rolling out mid-March and fully available completed early April, uh, allows you to upvote uh, the answers in a question-type post in Yammer. Uh, so I see this, Daniel, as that very scenario, we ask a question, we're getting all sorts of responses, and then we could basically choose best answer based on the 30 upvotes that a particular response might get. Well, I think without the upvoting, the previous way assumed that the person who's asking the question knows the best answer. Mm -hmm. When that's the whole point, they're asking the question 
So they might not know the best answer. Mm. Um, and, but, okay, so that's one thing. The second thing is when I first looked at this was, first thing that came to mind, I don't know, maybe it's just my personality, but upvote. It's just okay, your personality, we're, Daniel. We're, <laughs> upvote, that's great. Where's the downvote? If what? we're going to... What do you want to downvote for? Well, you know, if we're going to crowdsource this, mm-hmm. the first two people that come in upvote something that's wrong, then wait a minute, that's wrong. Like, why, why are you saying that? I mean, I could reply. I can, you know, put a reply in there to say, mm. this is actually wrong, um, you know. But rather than calling that out, maybe downvote, say, no, 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 don't pay attention to that. <laughs> this other thing is the upvote. Anyway. So down, downvotes then negate the, the upvote. Is that the point? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, it negates one. Remove right? your upvote, sir. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the way form systems work if you have yeah. upvote. Not all of them. You know, there's some that are nice and polite, but oh. even, um, you know, uh, forum, social media, a certain type, you know, forums have that, right? Up, mm. and, up and down vote. Anyway. So the upvote is not an upvote action. It is a like, if you have nope. a look there. Nope. Hmm. There is oh, on the far on, left. No, no, there is a like. On the far left. Yeah. You can like it and yeah. you can upvote. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, okay. So we've been using likes beforehand and then maybe saying, well, most people like this, so I'll give it a, a best answer. But now we've got a choice. Right. I think this, I think the liking, you know, it's kind of like, a, uh, I might like it, I might not. Mm. But this whole upvoting bit gives that, uh, gives that little push to, because it's so easy to just go up, right? And, and do that, then, you know, maybe more people start voting. Well, the, uh, yeah makes a very good point and it is actually in the message that it does reprioritize the answers when you upvote something it bumps it in the order so that's important to note um yeah so that is uh where is it it is yeah rolling out mid-march and fully available early april and daniel uh oh we've got our headline our headline to discuss that's right. Microsoft Teams Connect Shared Channels Public Preview, MC334274. This is, you know, what we've all been dreaming for. Not really, but <laughs> we've been talking about this for a while since Microsoft announced it. And now we have a date. Now we have a timeline for when we're getting this thing called Shared Channels before. Now it's called Teams Connect. Um, now they've put them together, Teams Connect Shared Channels. I don't know. Uh, we'll be rolling out uh, to public preview, so you'll need to opt in there. The rolling uh, out late March, so we have about a month or so, and then complete by early April. So it's going to be a pretty quick rollout. So for this, we will be able to, of course, when we're creating a channel, instead of just creating a standard or a private channel, there'll be a third one called shared, and people will, uh, you'll be able to create these. And uh, this is provisioning behind it a SharePoint site collection, just like a private channel is, a SharePoint site collection. And uh, with that, Microsoft has improved some of the admin experience, knowing a, cha- a site is powering a shared channel rather than a standalone site or just a uh, standard or private, uh, the standard channels or the private channel. Uh, so this will... I, I like that, you know, out of the box, 
because it is powered by SharePoint, because Teams uh, uh, functionality is there, that it's eDiscovery holds those DLP audit logs, all of that is in play and it works straight up out of the box. Uh, so all of those information protection and compliance features are there. Uh, graph APIs, so if you're doing development uh, in Teams, it's all already there. Those commandlets in PowerShell have already been updated. So they're ready. People, Those have been seen. Uh, people have noticed that. Um, so it really it does rely on the capabilities of Azure AD, B2B, uh, direct mm. connect. And so you do need to turn that on, right? So this external collaboration is, is off by default. So if you're going to use shared channels, if notice I said, if to collaborate with external people, then you're going to need to turn that on. I said, if, because in this process, you can use these shared channels to break down barriers of teams mm. and it just be internal or, or a mixture Right. So I can have some shared channels that are just internal channels. Um, and then maybe I have teams set up with uh, I have organizations set up to where I have teams for geographies or something. And I have a channel for HR underneath every one of those. Maybe I want a shared HR channel, uh, you know, stuff like that to where you can use these just internal or you can use it with internal and external resources. So keep that in mind. It's not just thinking, oh, I need to create, I can only create a shared channel when I'm collaborating externally. That's not what mm. this is um, necessarily uh, exclusively targeted toward. Um, Daryl, what do yes. you think about uh, utilizing this? Uh, you know, we had a question earlier uh, that was in chat from Phil about, you know, governance around this. Who do you allow to create shared channels? I mean, what do you think about this process now that this functionality is is on the horizon? We can actually see it uh, given a date here. What do you think about this functionality and and what it's going to bring to organizations, but how you govern it as well? It folds into your external sharing policy. Uh, when I say policy, I mean you know your your governing rules, what you what you um, allow within your organization. It's another form of that. Um, but it, because of the way that it presents, it's actually uh, more seamless. Um, more seamless? Yeah, there's less of a seam. <laughs> oh, less um, of a seam. Yeah, what, what I've got on screen here, uh, just for those in the podcast, there's a screenshot in the message that talks about the directionality of, of how you can set up the um, shared channels and uh, who, who has the ability to create them. Um, uh, so... I think with with this, it's it's still important to give people some uh, understanding and training about uh, what what that experience is like, what to expect. Um, one thing that's definitely called out in that user experience is when uh, it, it's um, a channel that is or contains external users, it will have ex the external tag on on the end there. So if it's been added to your team and you are collaborating with um, one of your 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 partners that you've connected and, and made this connection through um, Azure B2B, uh, then you will see that it's, while you've still got that trust relationship, you can still see that as a tag. I think um, it's going to be quite useful uh, for orgs to come up with their own guidance around when to use it. 
uh, if it's for in partnership with with external um, partners and for projects, that's a good scenario there where a channel is for a project and you're allowing uh, through this connection their your business partner outside of your tenants to add it to their team. Um, so that's that's the external side of it. Um, really want to hit it home here. It's not as simple as just uh, allowing anyone to set up any kind of connection to any external um, uh, organization. They can't just share this channel with anyone. The connection has to be there at the admin level to say we trust uh, this, um, this business. And the reason being, it simplifies membership. That's one of its benefits that if I share this channel with uh, my business partner and I say you can add this to the project team on your side, then membership of that channel is now in their hands. And so you can't just allow that to, to be the case for for just any any tenant. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think the um, really when we're talking about who can create and, and governance around that, um, you know, governance isn't necessarily always preventative, like not always a checkbox that you say don't allow or allow. Sometimes it is training. Mm. Um, so for some organizations, especially some smaller organizations, you know, you might not have to turn this off. It'd just be something that you communicate to users saying, hey, we're not going to use shared channels except for these types of purposes. Um, or go ahead. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Mm. But, you know, then for large organizations, you might need a little bit more of management around who can create these. Because as we've pointed out, and, and Phil's asking questions about this is, uh, you know, this creates a bunch of this creates a SharePoint site behind it. Absolutely, it does. So even if you're using this for internal, just like private channels, this is creating another site mm -hmm. for for the uh, uh, artifacts that are being created as part of this. So how do you manage that? And what should you manage it? And should there be an approval process for this? Uh, you know, once you get depending on size, I mean, there's no magic number, but I think when adoption is at a certain level in teams to where uh, you could foresee, you know, a hundred shared channels being created in the first week, <laughs> then, you know, and, and going up from there, then maybe there needs to be some actual governance of preventative governance, a way of, you know, having approvals rather than having uh, people going, you know, crazy and creating their own. Uh, I'll, I'll put something crazy out there. Um, yeah. I know that from a SharePoint admin perspective, having a whole lot of site collections pop up that are connected to private channels and now shared channels is a bit overwhelming. If you look across them and you think, whoa, okay, I can see all of these additional um, site collections. But from from another perspective, if they're all connected to the, the space that they need to be. They are just sites. Um, calm I, down. So, well, so... Um, I am a SharePoint person. I mean, that's how I got into all of this, right? That was my entry mm. point. So I can, I feel that need to uh, rein in and control those sites. Um, you know, things like naming and, mm -hmm. um, and categorizing and, and as well as expiration. How do you, you know, you've got a site collection sitting out there that hasn't, there's been no content in it hasn't been touched really for months, mm. months and months and months, months. 
you want to get rid of that thing, but the team is actually being used, right? They're yep. just not doing files. They're doing chat. And I, I understand that need, but I also see what you're saying and have started to come around to that is we need to get, we kind of need to get over this. I want to control all my site collections and control how many we have. And they're, you know, they all have to be active and mm. whatever. Um, because Microsoft is really pushing this uh, in a in a way that I think we're going to even see more of this creation of site collections, yeah. backing um, functionality, and so us as SharePoint people need to get to come around to the fact that hey, this has changed, and we're going to have to change our mentality in the way we manage this. I think mm. there's going to be site collections we don't care about, and we just have to. They're there and we're just going to have to deal with it. And then there's the site collections that are SharePoint sites rather than a back end to Teams or some mm. other functionality. Mm. Um, I know that's a little difficult, though. So And there's a lot of things in the minutiae of there working are. with that. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I'd certainly prefer this and having a bubble around it as a site collection as opposed to having to manage some kind of intricate folder, subfolder, permissions, non-inheritance uh, stuff. Sure. I mean, I think that the the architecture of the way they're doing it with site collection, I, I think that's the way to go. But, um, you know, the management of those site collections uh, intermingled with all the, you know, SharePoint intranet sites and such, your home site, you know, all those, that's where it kind of gets muddy. But mm. uh, so maybe you do need to have a little bit of control around, you know, who can create a shared channel. I think it's by organization, you know, organization by organization, how you do, yeah. how you define yeah. that. Let's uh, take a break from this. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about this. Uh, Feels as like a deep dive. Comes in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's move on to account switch. Wait a minute. Account switching. Yeah. This seems like we're going backwards from shared channels where we're not going to have to, you know, d anyway. Let's exactly. talk about account switching, and we'll we'll, we'll pick up the pace because I know we've got a these are these are the quick mentions, but um, I've chosen to cover this one because uh, it's it's an interesting experience even now with account switching on your desktop and the the Office applications. Um, so this is on Office Mobiles MC three three two eight seven one when you want to switch between uh, different Microsoft three six five accounts or even your your personal um, uh, OneDrive um, sort of Microsoft account to, to use Office. Uh, yeah, being able to switch uh, within the app is, has been a thing for a while. Um, and uh, now within this feature, I guess it dives into some other things around MAM and iOS. But what I've noticed when you do go to switch is that it's also, you switch and then it says, okay, you now need to restart the app. It's not as a smooth experience now. Uh, and I see this on Office on desktop as well. There's some way of being able to like hard cut it and say, right, you've switched, but we need you to restart the application so that we truly are authenticating from afresh. Um, you'll only see the, uh, the content that is related to that account. So in the past, we've been able to um, have uh, an account and then attach shared storage from other accounts. And that has got super confusing uh, as as you might be signed in and you got to open a link to a, a document from another attached account and it, there's all sorts of attachments there <laughs> or connections. So they're tidying that up. Um, and this is 
going to make it clearer when you are in an account and where you are switching to. Um, quite a message there. But this is uh, rolling out, where are we? iOS, late February, expected to be complete late March. And for Android, end of April, uh, late June. And Daniel, tell us about Stream. Microsoft Stream, in-player help experience, MC332705. This is rolling out now-ish, so mid-February, uh, and to completed by in standard release early April. This is, you know, Stream, remember, Stream is really the underlying technology that's powering your audio video files in SharePoint and OneDrive. And there is going to be a help area in, uh, connected to those files. So there's going to be a links tab that gives you some just out of the box or I guess default training links for uh, from Microsoft. You know, how, how do you work with this type of um, file? And then a report an issue tab. That report an issue tab is the communication to Microsoft. Uh, so if users fill this in, they send it, it will send it to Microsoft feedback for things like, you know, the video is not playing correctly, you know, the, there's issues with it, then um, you get to, to uh, also check a box to say, yes, Microsoft can email me back. Um, this is controlled by, and we've talked about this, this give feedback kind of process before, not in stream, but in, in Microsoft 365. So admins can turn this off. So if it is turned off, then you won't be able to do this. But for those that are able to, you will see that coming, like I said, so, uh, coming soon. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. Next message is OneDrive Sync Center is changing slightly, isn't it, Daryl? Yeah, uh, I mean, the message actually makes it sound bigger than it is, in my opinion. That's right. Um, the Sync Activity Center, uh, Experience Refresh, MC33940. Uh, when we take a close look at the Experience Refresh, um, it is about making, uh, give it a fluent look. Um, you'll still see a list of, of documents that have recently synced and activity around it. Um, there's a cog button. There's still the same three buttons at the bottom, just a slightly different look and feel. I don't think there's anything that functions differently. There's a new command for recycle bin. Um, yeah, good. Oh, don't have much more to say. <laughs> well, it's, it's a quick mention. You're right. It's not that big, although for users, it might, you know, that are used to going into the settings a certain way, you know, you're going to have that gear at the top. So it's just a little bit of change, but mm. yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, how about the chat filter, Daniel? Yes. So this one is chat filter for non-meetings chats. MC triple three. I'm going to go with the triple three nomenclature. Six, two, three. Uh, this is rolling out early March and expected to, expected to be completed by uh, late May. And this is just going to be able to provide you the ability in the chat app in Microsoft Teams to be able to filter out those chats that show up for meetings, chats, as well as chats with bots. I think there's a, we can have a conversation about this. Uh, in fact, we were a little bit before the show uh, about, you know, how this 
can fit into the frame of how you work and how they could even improve this mm. um, with maybe some date filtering or something. But um, being able to filter to make your chat app a little more, you know, you can make it to where it's just the chats that you're having with one one on one chats or one to many and filter out those meetings and chat bots. Um, is that going to be right for everyone? I don't think so. Is I think it's kind of helping you work the way you want to work. But um, I like it. Uh, it's just that if I filter out meeting chats, for instance, how do I get back to that? Well, I can unfilter them out. Or I can go into the meeting from the calendar and mm. go to the chat tab and see the chat. But that's a whole lot more clicks. So if you're going back frequently, obviously I wouldn't filter them out, right? Mm. Um, but so that's coming uh, very, very shortly. And speaking of Fluent, you said earlier about uh, OneDrive. Uh, this is a very important message. Oh, um, it, it smiley is. face. Yep, smiley face. Uh, we get to express ourselves with new Fluent emoji styled icons. Uh, we have seen them. Um, and other um, marketing videos and, and things uh, letting us know of the future in, in um, Microsoft 365. Uh, so now we've got them. They, uh, they look good. Um, I do like this other people section as well, um, but we can get in and explore some of those um, emoticons. Um, yeah, good to see. We'll see them uh, throughout teams and i think i'm also waiting for that ability to to use any emoticon as a reaction so maybe they'll they'll um give us a, offer us a bit another dimension for reacting to things soon too yeah. um and that is coming late february so nowish through to early march uh daniel uh room yeah. finder Room Finder for Outlook Mobile, MC33944. This is rolling out mid-March and expected to be completed by late May. And that same experience that you may be using already within Outlook for Windows, Mac, on the web, uh, to find a room, uh, you'll be able to do that on mobile, on iOS and Android. So you can do search, you can check availability, you can book those room conference rooms, um, on that create event screen when you go on mm. mobile. Uh, it's pretty simple, but I think a powerful thing, uh, especially as we're kind of returning, some people returning to a hybrid work where they're going into the office and you're in the office and you want to find a place, but you're maybe uh, not at your desk while well, you have your mobile phone, being able to find a room available, I think is a, a great functionality. And, and I'm glad to see it's finally coming to mobile. Mm. Last thing, Daryl, we're talking about Teams again. Yeah, the Teams third-party apps designed for Outlook and Office.com will be available soon for users in Outlook and Office.com. So, yeah, what does this mean? I think you, you even put it in the in the notes here, Daniel. MC double three four two eight zero. Does that mean that the apps we create for Teams will also be available in Outlook on the web? Um, we need to take a closer look at this because it's it's quite a short message. There's not a lot more to it. Users in targeted release will soon see third-party apps available in Outlook and Office.com that were previously only available in Teams. 
surely that's only some apps because some of these apps are just designed for the team's experience and chat and meeting optimized apps and things like that. Um, so, yeah, watch this space, I think. Um, that is, yeah, targeted release rolling out late February and expected to be complete late May. Uh, that's for Office. And targeted release for Outlook late March and complete late May. Get to see more Teams stuff across your Office 365 experience. But that is it, Daniel. Um, yes. Any, any last thoughts about this week? It was quite a lot we tried to get through. Yes, it was a lot. And we spent a little bit of time, I think rightfully so, on the shared channels, Teams yeah. Connect. Um, but I think there's a lot here actually to spend on a few other things um, that we just didn't have time to spend a whole lot more time on. But I, I think just the message we co you just covered, the third-party Teams apps, I think there's a lot we're going to be exploring there as a community moving down the road of how this could be utilized. So um, definitely uh, dive in and see how this could be used in your organization. Uh, of course, remember to share this episode, whether it's the audio podcast or the team, the uh, video in YouTube, please uh, share that on socials. Just send it out, say, hey, I watched this or I listened to this. Just share it for us, please. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. And we'll give you a kudos for that. Make sure you tag us at 365MCS. Anything else you need to add, Daryl? Uh, yes. Have a great week. Wonderful. Bye for now. See ya.